2: Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, now offering an online master's degree in teaching. A state license can be earned after the first summer semester with an opportunity to teach grades 7 through 12. Accepting applications now through May. More information at education.olemiss.edu.
3: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, April 18th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio on today's show immigration and deportation are again at the forefront as a greenwood father of five who has lived in the u.s since he was 16 will soon be sent back to mexico efforts to help businesses and families coming up
2: and the question is what's going to happen to the children and what we're trying to do is to prepare parents that may be undocumented about measures that they can take to protect their children
3: and a conversation about school integration in our story course segment. Hear from a woman who experienced confusion and rejection while being bused to school. Plus, law enforcement officers hope a new state seatbelt law will save the lives of passengers in the front seat and the back seat. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. One immigrant family could find itself torn apart at the end of the school year. Martin Duran Esparza is the father of five children living in Greenwood. He hasn't lived in Mexico since he was 16, but on May 22nd, he faces deportation due to heightened enforcement of U.S. immigration laws. A reprieve given on Friday is allowing him to stay in the country until the end of his children's school year. Democratic U.S. Congressman Benny Thompson heard about the family during a town hall meeting. He tells MPB's Mark Rigsby about his efforts to help foreign-born Mississippians facing deportation.
4: The Trump administration has really scared the living daylights out of a lot of immigrants in this country. Uh, I was at a town hall meeting uh, in Greenwood last night, and uh, 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 the local priest uh, of the Catholic Church came and Told story about a person who's been here 20 years. Uh, four of his five children uh, have been born here in the United States. They attend school and uh, they are just uh, intimidated that the uh, ICE agents at that time had given them two days to go back to Mexico. Now, this person, I mean, has qualified for a mortgage, uh, owns his own home, uh, has a specialty uh, uh, skill that farmers utilize on a daily basis uh, in the Delta. But because of this aggressive enforcement, similar to what was happening to Daniela, there's another example. And so as I talk to my colleagues all over the country, Uh, these kind of individuals now uh, are hiding simply because uh, they don't know what to expect. And again, this is the United States of America. And um, this country was founded by people uh, fleeing uh, political, religious, and other forms of persecution. And I can't see us moving back uh uh To that point in time, and so uh, a lot of us uh understand uh uh immigration uh we want people to come to this country because it's a great country uh there are no such thing as us and them uh we're in this together, and so our president uh has been uh, uh really uh Uh, talking negatively about uh, immigrants. No one or no race of people uh, is absolutely void of having uh, bad players or bad actors. But as I look at the majority, overwhelmingly, of people who are immigrants uh, into our state and in this country, they work hard, they pay the taxes, Uh, In a lot of instances, they are supporting family members back home, and uh, I would not want us uh, to become mean-spirited for political reasons. Uh, uh, I think we have to be caring as a country. Immigration is a big issue. Uh, uh, In my district, uh, agriculture, economy, uh, which, as you know, is number one in this state, a significant part of the labor force that makes that economy tick uh, is immigrant labor Uh, the cotton gins uh, in this state uh, the majority of employees in cotton gins now are immigrants Uh, if you're planting uh, pines uh, uh, the majority of people planting pines in this country uh, now especially in our state that sweet potato Uh, crops, Uh, you know, everything. Uh, And those are, you know, that's hard work, uh, but people are willing to do whatever they they can to earn a living. And if the immigrant population has filled that void, uh, we should let them. But if we run them off, we put good, hardworking people back home, but we put good, hardworking owners a businesses out of business. Congressman Thompson, thank you very much for being on Mississippi Edition. Thank you very much for having me.
3: Bill Chandler is the executive director of the Mississippi Immigrants Rights Alliance. He tells MPB's Alexis Ware more immigrants are seeking answers on how to handle the changes of the new administration.
2: Yeah, I think that's happened all over the country where there are very concerned migrant families that are here Uh, that are worried about what could happen to them. And we've had a surge of requests for meetings where they um, are learning about the rights that they have under the circumstances that we have, have now with the new administration. People are working. People are driving on the street. They get pulled over and oftentimes are arrested and taken into detention before their children even know about it. And the question is, what's going to happen to the children? And what we're trying to do is to prepare parents that may be undocumented about measures that they can take to protect their children from the sometimes effort to put them into um, child protective services and on into foster, foster homes, which can be very traumatizing for the kids. And of course, people are, you know, people that are eligible for citizenship are now rushing to become citizens. And of course, others are, are looking for a relief where they can be, quote unquote, legalized. Most people do want to say some people are resigned to the fact that they may have to return to their home countries, their countries of origin.
3: Regarding children of immigrants who may be deported, what is your best solution for this issue?
2: Well, best solution is to stop this attack on migrant workers and start talking about some sort of sensible legislative relief based on human rights and workers' rights. That would be the the solution. Um, I think if we nitpick out of something something that is currently in place, it's not going to work. We need a complete overhaul of immigration laws and get away from focusing on employment and uh, and worker manipulation and, and have our immigration laws based on human rights. There has not been a law passed in the history of the United States that has been based on human rights. And that's the direction we have to go for and stop looking at immigrants, regardless of where they're from, as something from outer space, that they're human beings just like the rest of us and deserve the same human rights that we have.
3: Bill Chandler is the executive director of Mississippi Immigrants Rights Alliance. Thank you for speaking with me. Oh, thank you. Miro will host a forum tonight in Jackson on the impact deportation has on children of immigrants. Coming up, the isolation one woman experienced as a young student being bused to school. That's in StoryCorps. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: Informative
1: MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB
4: Think Radio.
5: When she was ten, Denise McRae moved with her mother and three siblings from Jackson to Joliet, Illinois. In this week's StoryCorps conversation, she tells how she was selected through testing to be bused to a white school in another town. McRae also tells StoryCorps facilitator Danielle Anderson about struggling to come to terms with racist comments from fellow students.
0: They tested us, I guess, to see. Who, I guess, was smart enough I guess, is all I can think of or, you know, who could catch on, who understood schooling to integrate the schools. Who who tested you? The school system. Yeah. It's like you had to go to the school and they tested all of us. And all three of my other siblings stayed at that school. But I was bussed out. And I'm like, well, why am I being bussed out? Why do I have to get on the bus and go to school? And it was, oh, it was the way that you were tested. Well, of course, as as an adult, then now I understand why. But the ironic thing is about the school, and the name of the school was Culbertson Elementary School. This was was in
3: Illinois?
0: This was in Illinois. Well, Joliet, Illinois. You know, Joliet is about 45 miles south of Chicago. And Culbertson was a a school um, predominantly white in a predominantly white neighborhood. And... We had to be bused there, but for certain subjects, they would still separate us. Just like I would be in the class with maybe one other black was in the class Mm -hmm. and the the rest of them were white for classes like math or the uh, the science part. And then for other like the English classes, then I was back in the class with all my friends, (laughs) the kids I rode the bus with there. As an adult, you you look back, but as a kid, I didn't think anything right. of it. You know, do, wh- why do you think they did that? Now, as you look back, I think it was just a way of they were being forced to integrate, but they were like, okay, but well you we can still come up with rules to keep it segregated even mm-hmm. inside the school once the, it was supposed to be integrated. What was that like for you?
2: Like being. First of all, taken away, well, taken away from your community and your family, and, and and shipped to another school. I mean, were you scared? Like, what were what were your thoughts before you went? I guess? Oh, yeah, I, I
0: really was scared. Uh, I thought it was neat to to ride the bus because I always had to walk to school because I lived near the school. But um, I liked the you know riding the bus part. But it was strange being around more whites because I didn't see that many whites when I lived mm-hmm. in Jackson. So that was some um, that was different for me. And I had friends that. You know, didn't have the same color skin as me, and I thought that was really nice. I took a test. They did a lot of testing to determine if um, you could be a, a patrol person, you know? Like when you wear the little belts and you're out there helping the Yeah, the like guard. in the, the hallway kind of. Well, like no, no, in- out on the street. Yeah, like when the kids were coming in. Well, I think when my bus got there, I really didn't get a chance to patrol in the morning, so I got to patrol in the evening. The kids were allowed to go home for lunch which is really different because, you know, now I know kids don't mm-hmm. do that. But the kids are allowed to go home for lunch, the ones that uh, could. And so I was a, a patrol person for when they came back for lunch. Well, I had to give up my, what they call our free period to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I was out there, and I think it was one little boy, and I, he didn't like anyone, I guess, that didn't look like him. And he called me the N-word, and I I'm like, I'm giving up my recess period to come out here and help him <laughs> get back to school safely, and he's calling me names. So I went to um, probably one of my teachers, and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And she said, well, you know, did anyone call you anything, or did was anybody said anything? Were they mean to you? And I'm like, no. I didn't want to tell the story about it, but it's funny because my uh, they actually, when I became a I think it was called Patrol Guard. I think it was the title. They did a little article. It was in the newspaper. My Aunt Mose got it and cut it out. Make sure I got a copy of it. No, mm. I probably still have it somewhere in one of my photo books. But I can remember, I think that was probably the only really, really negative part. Really? Of being busted. out. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, of course I heard that word all the time, but it was always jokingly. I knew that mm. the way he was saying it was in a mean way, but it was all good. It was all part of growing up. How yeah. um, how come you didn't want to tell the teacher what happened? I wonder about that, and I think because I didn't want to get the little boy in trouble, because I knew him, and I knew who it was. Mm. I didn't want to get him in trouble, and then I didn't want them mad at me for telling on him, you know, our kids, you don't want to be a mm. tattletale. And I felt that if I told... I was going to be a tattletale.
5: To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps Mobile Tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps Mobile Tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
1: Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather
4: info, and a state in worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio.
3: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A new seatbelt law aims to save lives in Mississippi. Known as Harley's Law, the measure requiring all backseat motor vehicle passengers to wear seatbelts will go into effect on July 1st. The law is named after 15-year-old Harley Oswald, who was killed in a car crash in Marshall County last year. Major David Cook is patrol commander at the Marshall County Sheriff's Office. He tells MPB's Mark Rigsby about the crash that claimed her life.
6: We were dispatched to the scene of a one-car crash rollover with ejection in the area of Puppy Hill Road and Bethlehem Road. And when officers made the scene, they did find the vehicle accident and two teenage occupants of the
5: vehicle deceased. How did that crash happen?
6: The vehicle left the roadway to its right, exited the roadway, went through a ditch area, turned over, and struck a tree and then came back down to rest.
5: Were the two people that were killed in this crash, were they wearing seatbelts? No. During the course of your investigation, you probably found out about the people or the girls that died in this crash. Can you tell me about them?
6: Harley was very active in the school, very active community, real active young lady, know her family, real well, good people. Not really familiar with the other subject that passed away in the accident, but as far as Harley, just a fine young lady.
5: And tell me, how's their family doing now?
6: I haven't spoken with them personally in in a month or so. They appear to be dealing with it as well as they can. They have a lot of community support, uh, faith-based community support, and know that people are there constantly praying for them. And if they ever need to speak with anyone, that everybody's there to support them.
5: In this kind of situation, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But would backseat seatbelts would they have saved lives in this crash?
6: I've, I've been in this twenty years. I've seen people pass away seatbelted in and not seatbelted in as well. Uh, it does appear that the safety device may have helped with the injuries in this accident. But as far as someone passing away, I can't comment if that would have occurred or not.
5: The state legislature passed a new law and the governor has signed it, which will go into effect on July 1st, requiring all backseat passengers to be restrained in a seatbelt. I wanted to get your thoughts on that new law.
6: I believe it well, uh, will be well received amongst the law enforcement community. We do see people lose their lives, unfortunately, and, and seatbelts do save lives. As I said earlier, I have seen people pass away that were restrained, and unfortunately, the other Instances and situations involved in the accident, but any type of safety device, equipment that can be utilized while traveling in a motor vehicle on Mississippi Highway should be utilized and and it does save lives.
5: There may be a misconception whether you're young or old that if you're restrained in the front seat, that seems to be more important than being restrained in the back seat because you have a seat in front of you that might stop your momentum. That's not the case, is it?
6: No, sir. I've I've witnessed. Slow motion videos and training, and uh, they are can be viewed. Some on YouTube as well of serious head, neck, back injuries occurring with rear seat passengers that have actually struck the roof area and the and the seat in front of them due
5: to a crash. So, does someone that's not restrained in the back seat during a crash do they become a projectile? Yes. And how dangerous is that for every other person in the vehicle as well as themselves?
6: It, it it's a contributing circumstance to injuries with with the front seat occupants as far as uh, we, we, You use the term projectiles. Anything in a vehicle that's in motion and comes to rest, anything inside the vehicle becomes pointed that could cause serious death or injury.
5: Major Cook, finally, what would you like to tell the people that are listening today about obeying the law as it pertains to seat belts, using them in the front seat and soon in the back seat?
6: Basically follow the law. It's a common sense law. It's looking out for public safety. It's unfortunate that this fine young lady lost her life for this to come up to become a law but I would encourage all Mississippians and people traveling on Mississippi highways, this is important to follow the law and wear your seatbelt. They're provided in every vehicle, and it it can save
5: lives. Major Cook, thank you very much for joining us on Mississippi Edition. You're very welcome.
3: If passengers are not found wearing seatbelts, a driver could face a $25 fine. Mississippi Highway Patrol Captain Johnny Polis tells our Mark Rigsby he supports the law.
1: Well, we're very pleased uh, that the governor signed this bill into law. It will help everyone that is inside the car, making sure that they're, they're actually restrained. It's going to help every law enforcement officer out there. And it's also going to help ensure that everyone that's traveling in a vehicle returns home safely. And that is our main mission, traffic safety.
5: How important are seatbelts? You no,
1: know, there's, there's an interpretation of, of our seatbelt laws that were really vague uh, the, the law, the first law that was put in place, uh, only the front seat passenger and driver had to be restrained. And, of course, any child uh, any child had to be restrained in a child-restraint seat or a booster seat. But, unfortunately, that law really didn't help saving lives. For example, if you've got a child properly restrained in a car seat, but you've got someone riding in the rear, the rear passenger seat, they're involved in a collision, they're not restrained, that person can actually take the life of the child that is restrained in the car seat. Because when you're not restrained in a car and it's involved in a crash, you're basically a human projectile. And we have seen and experienced these crashes over and over across Mississippi. And we're just here again. We're very pleased this law will go into effect July 1st.
5: Does the Highway Patrol have a plan to get the word out that this is a new law and it's designed to save lives?
1: Yes, the the, the week uh, week prior uh, of the first of July, we're going to go out. We'll we'll send a news release out, but we're going to educate the public. We're going to have our seatbelt uh, rollover simulator that actually simulates an injection. It gives people an idea of what happens when you're not properly restrained uh, in the vehicle. And we need everyone to 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 cooperate and and to be on board with this. This is this is not about to make people uncomfortable. A lot of people have different opinions about their rights when it comes to putting a seatbelt on. Keep in mind, the main mission is to make sure everyone in that vehicle is safe. And to do that, everyone in the vehicle has to be properly restrained. And we're going to do a better job in educating everyone in Mississippi about the importance of the law.
5: How many times has a patrolman come up on a fatal accident and the people in the front seat who are restrained survive the accident. But the people that are in the back seat that are not wearing their seat belts are the ones that actually pass away.
1: We see this numerous times. I think uh, just about every law enforcement officer that has worked crashes, we see this over and over, when, especially in injections. Uh, the chances of survival uh, of when you're ejected out of a car is almost zero. Um, and that's why we, we stress the importance of seat belts. But I will give you an example that I, I, personally worked a crash when I came out of patrol school. Uh, I was a year in and worked a crash where the front seat passenger was restrained, but the per- but his life was taken from him by the rear seat passenger that was not restrained. And due to the impact of a head on collision, the rear passenger came over the front seat. And, and made contact with the right-front passenger. and actually took both of their lives. And if this was a survivable crash, if the rear passenger would have been restrained, we have to have the cooperation of the motoring public. It can be law, but we have to have, we have, to have people to follow the law and obey the law. And before that car actually moves, everyone in that vehicle should be restrained.
5: Captain Johnny Pullis with the Mississippi Highway Patrol, thank you very much for being on Mississippi Edition. Thank you, Mark.
3: Buses, vehicles for farm use, and ATVs are exempt from the law. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks, then at 10, in legal terms. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Google or Apple Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
2: Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, now offering an online master's degree in teaching. A state license can be earned after the first summer semester with an opportunity to teach grades 7 through 12. Accepting applications now through May. More
1: information at education.olemiss.edu.